Hello, I'm Gary Fogle, and welcome to another version of Kentucky Sports Memories. Thank you for joining me. And today's show is one of those that I planned on starting in one direction, and it completely went in another direction. <laughs> I'll explain all that as we go forward. So, first of all, I want to mention that we're coming up on the date of October 29th, and you go, so what? October 29th is significant because back on October 29th, 1960, which means it's the 60th anniversary, that's when Muhammad Ali had his first professional fight. Of course, back then he was Cassius Clay. He didn't change his name to Muhammad Ali until the late 60s. But October 29th, 1960, he had his first professional fight. And we are coming up on the 60th anniversary of that. I thought this show was going to be completely about just that first fight because they didn't want to do a show on Muhammad Ali's career that's been done a million times. Uh, videos have been done, films have been done, stories have been done on Muhammad Ali's career. You know it. You've heard about it. So I thought I would just focus on that very first professional fight, which not a lot of people know much about. I didn't know that much about. But anyway, since it's the 60th anniversary of that, that was going to be my focus, solely on Cassius Clay, which was his name at that time, as again, he didn't change his name to Muhammad Ali until the late 60s. So at the time, he was Cassius Clay. He had just returned from Rome, Italy, and the Olympics, where he had won a gold medal in the light heavyweight division. Of course, he made his career as a heavyweight, but he won his gold medal as a light heavyweight in um, Rome in 1960, in the Summer Olympics. He was 18 years old at the time, and he was still 18 just a month or so later when he had his first professional bout. Anyway, it took place Freedom Hall in Louisville, one of five fights he would have in Freedom Hall that was very early in his career because his last bout in Freedom Hall came in late 1961. Then after that, his uh, bouts were all at bigger venues around the world. So I thought I should at least look at his opponent because Quite honestly, even though I followed Muhammad Ali's career very closely, I couldn't have told you who his first opponent was if I didn't look it up. So I looked it up. It's a guy by the name of Tunney Hunsaker. I thought, okay, never heard of him. The name like Tunney. I'm sure he's from some foreign country. That was my guess. Figured I would look that up, at least see what country he was from. Come to find out, he's from the United States. Beyond that, he's from Kentucky, believe it or not. He was born in Princeton, Kentucky, which is in Caldwell County. If you're not that familiar with the state or the western part of the state, it is in the western part of the state. Princeton is uh, down near uh, Land Between the Lakes, near Lake Barkley, that area. So my focus so much on Cassius Clay for this show made a turn. And I thought, well, I should look into the career of Tunney Hunsaker as well, because this guy's from Kentucky, Kentucky native, and um, I wonder if he still has family around. So I began looking into that and found a lot of interesting people, or a few, I guess I shouldn't say a lot, a few interesting people who knew the life of Tunney and were related to Tunney, and one person who was there for that fight on that night, October 29th, 1960. So... That's going to be a big part of the show today. Before we get to all that, I guess we should just do a quick wrap-up of the show. and Or, I'm sorry, a quick wrap-up of that night's fight. And uh, 
So let's go to a story from back then that was done, just a brief one, on Cassius Clay as he prepared for the fight and how things progressed through the night as he won his professional debut. An 18-year-old amateur boxing champion with a charming smile took a physical examination for his first professional fight. That evening, Tony Hunsaker was to go into the record book as the first professional opponent for the slip boxing Cassius Clay. Weighing only 182 pounds, like for a all Louisville boxing fans turned out to see their young Olympic gold medal winner. He did not disappoint anyone. Supremely confident, young play box Martin easily won his professional debut with a flashy unanimous decision. The first professional victory of the confident young Cassius Clay. So Cassius Clay wins his professional debut against, again, a guy by the name of Tunney Hunsaker, who was from Western Kentucky. And I mentioned that Clay was 18 years old at the time of that bout. Hunsaker was 30. He was born in September of 1930, and so he was 30 years old when that bout took place in late October of 1960. And by the way, obviously you know that Muhammad Ali has passed away. Tony Hunsaker also passed away. He passed away back in 2005 at the age of 74. So uh, he and Ali both died at the same age, years apart, but the same age when they passed away. I'll talk more about Tony Hunsaker in just a moment and people who knew him and people who were there at the fight to support him, but let's back up first to Cassius Clay. I was wanting to talk to someone at the bout who knew Clay, a supporter of his, a fan of his, and I found it was extremely difficult to find someone. Uh, many had passed away. So I'm sure there are some out there. I just didn't locate them. One person I did talk to is a guy by the name of Victor Bender. And he was a good friend of Cassius Clay back when they were growing up. So I figured since Victor was a good friend of Clay that he would have probably been at the fight. But Victor tells me that on that night, he happened to be at a family gathering in Chicago. So he was not there. So I did talk to him about Clay and how Clay's attitude was leading up to that first bout. So here's that conversation. How was Cassius leading up to that first fight? Was he relaxed? Was he confident? Was he nervous? What was he uh, like? When, when, when the champ came back from his Olympics and everything went smoothly for the Olympics, he had more confidence. The more he fought, the better he got, and the more confident he became. So he was able to uh, be prepared and try to get his body ready for that fight. He looked up for that. He wanted to be a professional. He, de he demanded to, that he wanted to be the best professional he could possibly be. And uh, that fight, he trained, trained real hard, and uh, really improved himself and said, I'm going to try to win this, this fight and, and go from there. But his whole personality changed when he came back. He had more confidence than he ever had in his life as an athlete. Was, was he not that confident prior to the Olympics? Well, he went to the Olympics. He, he wasn't sure. He had to fight different kinds of fighters. They all had different styles. And, uh, and once he learned the different styles, when he went over there from different fighters, he came back real confident, more confident than he went over there in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So 
let's say two or three days before this first fight, what was his mood like? Was he anxious? Was he nervous? What was he like being around him? Uh, he was not nervous. He was he was anxious to get to the first fight. He couldn't. Uh, he wanted to prove to the Louisvillians that he was the best they had here in terms of boxing. We had some great fighters before him here, and one of those was Rudell Stitt. And Rudell Stitt was uh, the person that really encouraged him as a young man and told him that he could be a great fighter in the 175-pound area. But he left that 175-pound, which was a lightweight, and went to the heavyweight. And that's when he proved to the people that, uh, hey, I'm going to be a great heavyweight fighter. You were in Chicago when he had that first bout. Were you able to follow it at all? Was it on the radio? No, I, 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 no, I didn't know. We were not able to get it. Uh, I don't think it was on the radio or anything like that at the time. And he was just beginning to be a heavyweight, so he had to prove to the people that he was one of the top heavyweights. So he kept fighting. He kept fighting, but that first fight, he was not not nervous. He was ready to prove that, like I said, uh, as home people, home folk, and the boxing world, that he's going to be a good heavyweight champion. All right. So when we come back, we're going to talk to family members of Tony Hunsaker, one who knew him, related to him, obviously a family member, and another family member who was at that bout on that night. October 29th, 1960. So we will hear from them when we return in just a moment. Stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization. If I'm not given the opportunity, if you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it worked. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle, and in this show, we're talking about Muhammad Ali, or at that time, Cassius Clay, his first professional bout, as we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of that, took place October 29th, 1960, happened in Freedom Hall in Louisville, and Cassius Clay won it in a six-round unanimous decision. We've heard from a friend of Clay who was not at the fight but knew Clay well uh, growing up and leading into that fight. And we're going to talk to someone else very close to Clay, uh, Muhammad Ali. He was actually Muhammad Ali when they met 
Uh, we'll do that in just a moment. But in this segment, I wanted to focus on Tony Hunsaker because he was the opponent that night for Clay. He was a 30-year-old who was from Princeton, Kentucky, Caldwell County, down in western Kentucky. That's where he was born. He was a what you would consider a part-time professional fighter. He had regular jobs, and then he fought on the side, kind of like if you saw the movie Rocky, which I'm sure most of you did, probably all of you did. You remember at the beginning, Rocky had another job, and he fought on the side for some extra money. That's kind of like how Tunney was. And later in Tunney's life, he was in law enforcement for many, many years in West Virginia. He served as police chief for 38 years in Fayetteville, West Virginia. And um, that's where he uh, spent most of his time. By the way, he later died when he was age of 74 in 2005. He'd suffered for uh, his last few years from Alzheimer's disease. But uh, his body was buried in Fayetteville, West Virginia, which is where he, as I said, was a chief of police for several years and for 38 years, as a matter of fact. But anyway, getting back to the night of that fight, I found a relative. She is a niece, and she lives up in Vermont now. Her name is Sandra Button. Sandra Button's mom and Tony Hunsaker were brother-sister. And Sandra Button went to the fight that night in October of 1960. So I talked with her, and... When I got word to her that I wanted to talk to her about her uncle and that fight, she sat down and wrote out exactly what she wanted to say about it. So when we had our conversation, she pulled out her notes and she read them to me, and I thought it was really fascinating, and I thought I would share that with you. Here's my conversation when Sandra Button, the niece of Tony Hunsaker, read her notes to me. After a four-hour drive, ten members of my family arrived at Freedom Hall in Louisville, Kentucky on October 29, 1960. I was 16, that age when a girl has favorite adult men, as she uses them to see if the boys that ask her out measure up. My Uncle Tony was my favorite. He gave me his Golden Gloves pin that he won while serving in the Air Force. Tunney was born in western Kentucky in 1930 as the nation was trying to rebuild from the 1929 stock market crash. He was the sixth child of seven. He and his younger brother were always up to something. Tunney Hunsaker and a young Cassius Clay would box that night on October 29th. A bit about these two individuals who would be meeting in the ring. Both descended from a white Irishman. Cash's great-grandfather was John Lewis O'Grady, who married a black lady. Tony's great-grandfather was a Morgan, who married a Native American. Both had interracial roots. Both had mothers who were amazingly capable and hardworking in keeping the family and house together. Both had fathers who imbibed freely. Why boxing? A policeman got Cassius into it when the boys stole his when the boy's bike was stolen. If he was going to beat up the thief, learn to do it correctly. 
Tony was a small child, and when he entered grade school, older students would take his lunch every day and make him sing for it. So for both, loss motivated them. Tony had a 17-8 and fighting record with 16 pro wins. October 1960 was Cassius's pro boxing debut. Both had Golden Glove wins. Cassius removed his capes at night in Freedom Hall, and I appreciated a fit, firm, 18-year-old Adonis. Uncle Tony reflected the 15 years between them. A bit of a beer gut, pasty white, compared to his opponent's dark, warm brown tones. They seemed evenly matched as the as the bout started with blows until Tunney threw a hard one into Cassius's stomach. The effect was obvious. He staggered only momentarily and then became like a fly darting at accelerated speed all over that mat, feet moving like a tap dancer's. This confused Tunney, who tried to keep up and score hits, but could rarely graze his opponent. It was obvious that Tunney was slowing. Fatigue and frustration was bounding as the rounds progressed. Then at the top of the sixth came a hard punch to the left side of Tunney's face, including his eye. Immediately, blood gushed down the side of his face, flowing with the sweat. At the bell, his attendant tried to staunch the flow, but with no avail, and the bout was called at the end of the sixth round. We, the family, congregated in his room there at Freedom Hall. My uncle's face was red, blue, purple, resembling ground beef, while they dabbed the blood and applied bandages. The consensus was Cassius had done his homework about a previous injury and targeted that spot. Tunney was happy he didn't have to give Cassius another knockout for his record, for Cassius's record. Tunney continued to live life on the edge. He boxed in prisons until one hard blow put him in the hospital with a concussion. Prisoners were extra motivated to fight Fayetteville's chief of police. I could turn on the radio and hear breaking news given the condition of my uncle every day until he recovered. Muhammad Ali and Tunney remained friends through their lives. So I've got a couple of questions for you, though. After sure. That, after that fight that night, and you were with Tunney in his dressing room or wherever it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you talk to him at all? Uh, what was the conversation like? No, everybody was there, and everybody was so sympathetic and, and trying to boost him up and everything because he was pretty devastated. Did he think he was going to win that night? He thought he had a darn good chance. I mean, this was an 18-year-old boy. But he was also an Olympic gold medal winner. Right. So I just didn't know if Tunney assumed going in that he really didn't have much of a chance. But you're telling me that no, he he didn't. He he thought he did. Tunney had a big ego. (laughs) Oh really? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so did Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> so what was, the, what was Freedom Hall like that night? What was the atmosphere like? Um, I, I just remember dark and, and, you know, just woody, dark. And it, I don't remember a lot of screams and yells or anything. Of course, it was my first experience with this. Um, our family was healing because my dad had died five months earlier. So um, this was kind of an outing for, for all of us. And I don't think anybody expected him to lose. They really didn't. But they really didn't have a good sense of who Muhammad Ali, or Cassius Clay was at that time either. Right, right. So yeah. was this your first time going to a live boxing bout? That was my first and last. You've only been to one? Yes, and I'd never want to see another one. <laughs> really? Just because I of how did. your uncle looked when it was over? That, and I've been a teacher and a, a religious leader all my life, and I'm just not into fighting and and throwing punches. I don't get it. I really don't. <laughs> All right, again, that was Sandra Button, a niece of Tunny Hunsaker, and she now lives up in Vermont. She had done her homework, and her one and only fight she's ever attended was that one, the night that Cassius Clay made his pro debut against her uncle, Tunny Hunsaker, October 29, 1960. I also talked with Tunny Hunsaker's daughter, her name is Sally Hunsaker Huffman. She now lives in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. She was only six years old that night. Her dad fought Cassius Clay. She was not there, but she knows a great deal about the bout. Did your dad talk to you over the years about that bout? All the time. It was something that um, was constantly in his life. He was always interviewed. Um, he went to be on To Tell the Truth in New York as um, Muhammad Ali's first professional fight. So, of course, I remember that very well. And um, when my dad retired, he uh, was a policeman for 40 years in a small town called Fedville, West Virginia, population probably 7,000. And Muhammad Ali came for his retirement party. So Ali and your dad remained close friends after that bout. They did. Dad definitely respected uh, Muhammad Ali, um, not so much maybe on the political side of it. Beside of that, he had a great respect for him. And um, gosh, there are many stories that he told us, you know, about him. Um, and he would laugh and talk about how fast he was on his feet. <laughs> Um, most of my stories probably came from my uncle being there, um, but my goodness, what's that, almost 60 years ago? So, yeah, we're coming right up on the 60th anniversary. Right. Again, that was Sally Hunsaker Huffman, who is Tunny Hunsaker's daughter, and she now lives in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. As she said, she was six years old, did not attend the fight that night when her dad took on Cassius Clay back in 1960, but has memories of it based on stories her father told her. 
Going to hear from just one other family member. This lady's name is Jackie Hunsaker Cornell, and she is a distant cousin of Tony Hunsaker. And she only met him one time, but uh, I did not know that when I first talked with her, but I thought I would share my conversation with her just based on her observations of her distant cousin in Tunney. So here's that. But you did meet him at one time. Tunney. I met him that one time. And what was he like? Well, <laughs> I remember distinctly. Um, well, they came to front door. I, we lived in a large older home kind of on a hill, and everybody that came to visit, came around to the side door. But I remember that he and his father came up on the front porch uh, and, uh, you know, Daddy introduced us and I was uh, standing there kind of with my mouth open. I think I was around 13, I'll say that, maybe 12. I don't know, but I sure did know who Paul Newman was and I thought he looked an awful lot like Paul Newman. Very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and other than that, I can't I can't tell you anything else really about him. Uh, you know, he really became famous for being knocked out by Cassius Clay. You know, I mean that's where you remember the name. You know, I don't even know what they talked about. I think I just kind of stood there with my mouth open. You know, because you thought he was so good looking, <laughs> so handsome, so handsome. Yes, yes he was. Again, that was Jackie Hunsaker Cornell, a distant cousin of Tunney Hunsaker. And I included her story because I thought it was interesting that even though she only met him one time, she remembers every detail about seeing him, you know, where, where they arrived at the house, what he looked like. <laughs> she thought he looked like Paul Newman. Uh, th I thought that was interesting. Anyway, Tunney Hunsaker, again, uh, from uh, Western Kentucky, born in Princeton, Kentucky, down in Caldwell County, the first opponent of Cassius Clay when Cassius Clay made his professional debut. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get back to Cassius Clay and a guy who knew him very well and knows a lot of details about that first fight from Muhammad Ali's point of view, Cassius Clay's point of view. And we'll hear about that when we come back. Stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large, active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family.
Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle, and in this show, we're looking at Muhammad Ali, who at the time was Cassius Clay, his first professional fight, which happened on October 29, 1960. So we're coming up on the 60-year anniversary. And as we've talked about, his opponent that night was Tony Hunsaker, who was a 30-year-old at the time and was from Western Kentucky, born in Princeton, down in Caldwell County in Western Kentucky. Let's move on now to Ali, who at that time, again, was Cassius Clay. He didn't change his name to Muhammad Ali until the late 60s. But I'm going to talk with, in this segment, a guy by the name of John Ramsey. John was not at the fight that night in 1960. As I told you earlier in the show, I couldn't find anybody who was there other than family members, one family member of Tunney's, but nobody who was a fan of Ali. And John certainly wasn't there that night because he wasn't even born then. John is in his mid-50s, but he became a very close personal friend of Muhammad Ali later on. And I include John in this show because John had often talked to Muhammad about that first fight and knows a lot of details about it just because he's watched the video of it sitting alongside Muhammad and talking about it. So I thought he would bring an interesting perspective. Here's my conversation with John Ramsey. So, John, I guess my first question is, how did you get to know Muhammad Ali? Yeah, I get asked that a lot, Gary. Um, it was when John Y. Brown was running for governor, and uh, so early 80s, and Muhammad was at the time still fighting, probably shouldn't have been, but he was at the end of his career, but he was out lobbying and stumping for, for, for John Y. Brown. They were friends, and, I, and to this day, I thank Governor Brown for introducing us, but I, I actually met him at a derby party. I mean, I was a kid and kind of finagled my way into, into a, a derby party that Muhammad was supposedly going to appear at. You know, and at that time I was just a fan like everyone else, and it was a pretty small party, so I got to spend some time one-on-one with Muhammad. And I remember um, I was really nervous. I was talking to Howard Bingham at the time, his friend, the photographer, and Howard said, look, John, if you don't go up and talk to Muhammad and he decides to leave, he said, well, we're going to go. He said, he'd like it. Go over and talk to him. But I was scared to death. So whenever I'm afraid, I try to be funny. So I, Muhammad is standing in the corner, and I leaned over to him, and I go, well, Muhammad, you could be the greatest heavyweight of all time. And Muhammad looked at me and he goes, how would Cosell get paid for that? What's your excuse? <laughs> and so, so then he started talking to me and we really kind of got along and he asked me to walk him outside and, and he got out in the parking lot. And, and I've always heard if you, if you want to meet or talk to Muhammad, throw, throw a punch. He likes the motion of a punch. He likes sparring and just throwing punches in the air. And he starts throwing punches at me and I'm scared to death. I'm just covering up, you know, because I'm so nervous. And he tells me to write down my address and he'll come see me sometime. And he pulls a pin out of his coat jacket and he and I write down my address he sticks it in his pocket and two weeks later he shows up at my house so that, that's just the kind of guy he was yeah that's just the way he was and then from then on whenever he'd come in town to see his mom he'd call me and then um he I went at, he traveled and asked me if I wanted to go and he was just, he'd always check in on you I mean he was just a really good friend and a really good mentor and so um you know I've been to Australia with him England and Ireland twice I've been to Canada I uh, really feel fortunate. You know, if you can be friends with your hero, it's a, it's a, it's pretty blessed. So um, I feel very fortunate. Obviously, you weren't around. You weren't even born when he had no. his first professional fight in 1960. Did he ever talk to you about that bout? 
Yeah, I, I, we we did. You know, it's funny because we Muhammad and I did were able to spend a lot of time together, and we'd watch old fight films. I'd always tell people that the only person that likes watching Muhammad fight more than me is Muhammad. I mean, he loved watching himself. <laughs> so yeah, we we watched the Hunsaker fight. Uh, Tony Hunsaker, he's nineteen sixty pro debut, and you know I think when Muhammad watches that one, he just felt like he was getting his feet wet. I think I think the Louisville sponsoring group, the group of. Um, wealthy Louisville businessman who, who got together and gave Muhammad his first contract, you, they were a little disappointed because it went the distance. Uh, Muhammad won, you know, unanimous decision uh, on points in six rounds. But, but you know, if you if you watch that fight, he didn't look, you know, here's this Olympic champion that got high hopes for a possible title. He didn't look that impressive. Hunsaker was kind of awkward. Muhammad had problems with smaller heavyweights who could move – Hunsaker was more, um, he wasn't a big brawler kind of guy. He, he was more like a little piece of steel, former military. And he was just um, a little bit awkward for Muhammad, you know, tried to bully him around. And then Hunsaker got bloodied, I think, in the third round. His nose started bleeding, got a little bloody in the mouth, and he kind of lost his, uh, his gusto for engaging as much. The fight was rather boring. I mean, don't get me wrong, Cassius Clay won, but he just didn't look that impressive. So I don't think anyone was like, wow, this is a new champ. It was like, okay, he needs work. But, um, you know, hey, he won. And Hunsaker was the perfect first opponent because he was 15-9. and nine, So the record looked good enough that it could get attention and was respectable and maybe give Cassius a test. And he actually did that. But he had lost like six straight. So it wasn't like uh, he was also going to be any kind of a – I don't think the group thought there was any way that, he, that Cassius could lose the fight, and, and he did not. All right, John, I can't let you go until you do at least a small version of an impersonation of Muhammad Ali. I done whoop Joe Frazier. I whoop Ken Norton, Sonny Liston, I whoop them all. And if Gary Fogel even dream of whooping me, he better wake up and apologize. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> How many years have you been doing that? Oh, man, for years. Muhammad, Muhammad actually liked it. I mean, he... He would get a kick out of it. He'd ask me to do it in front of people. He got a kick out of that. But, um, yeah, for a long time. And, you know, and you know, the voice changes because when he was younger, you see all this vibrant energy. He was more like, I'm the greatest. I will Joe Frey. I'm going crazy. You know, he's all loud. And, and then, and, and I don't know if it was due to boxing or the fact that he was more introspective. He slower. He'd take his time. And, he, you know, and, and then, of course, there was the effects of boxing later. But, yeah, the impression has definitely changed. But the respect and the love I have for Muhammad will never um, I, he was, uh, as I said it as eulogy, the best example of a human being that I've ever seen in terms of kindness. And, and Gary, before I go, I, I think this is important for people to know is as impressive as his you know, boxing career was because, you know, arguably the greatest athlete of the 20th century and Sports Illustrated thought so, the BBC, the Associated Press, he was the athlete of the century, but he was even a better person. I mean, he was um, uh, kind, as, kind to the core, loved people, and uh, and I was Less impressed with his ring, with the stuff he did in the ring, his boxing career. I was more impressed with what he did outside of it the more I got to know him. I got you. John, very good. That's wonderful. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Hey, Gary, I'm a big fan of yours. Thank you for having me. Okay. We take care. All right. John Ramsey, who became close personal friends with Muhammad Ali from the 1980s until Ali passed away. As a matter of fact, John was one of the people who spoke at Ali's memorial, which was held in, uh, of course, downtown Louisville when he passed away. And another person who was a close personal friend and spoke at Ali's memorial 
is comedian, actor and comedian, Billy Crystal. And I don't know if you've ever heard his eulogy, his memorial to Ali, but I'm going to include it in this show because I found it fascinating. I found it riveting, and I thought you would enjoy it. Many people have never heard it. So when we come back, we'll hear from Billy Crystal on Muhammad Ali. Stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization. If I'm not given the opportunity, if you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it worked. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle, where we're looking at the very first professional fight of Muhammad Ali, who at the time was Cassius Clay, because we're coming up on the 60th anniversary of that bout. October 29th, 1960 is when it took place. And his opponent was Tunney Hunsaker. And as I came to find out, Tunney is from Kentucky also, native of Princeton, Kentucky, which is Caldwell County, down in western Kentucky. We've heard from Tunney's, a couple of Tunney's family members, a distant cousin, and also a niece who was at the bout that night. Also heard from John Ramsey, close personal friend of Muhammad Ali, who often talked to Muhammad about that bout in 1960 because John Ramsey wasn't born when it, was, when it actually took place. And anyway, Tunney Hunsaker spent most of his professional life as a police officer. After he got out of boxing, he was only doing it part-time anyway, but once he got out, he became a full-time police chief in a town in West Virginia, and he held that position for 38 years, and he's uh, buried in West Virginia, but uh, born in Princeton, Kentucky, in Caldwell County. That's where he is a native. Muhammad Ali passed away in 2016, And he, by the way, 74 years old when he passed away. So was Tony Hunsaker, 74 years old when he passed away back in 2005. He was 30 years old when he fought against Cassius Clay in 1960. And, of course, Clay just uh, had just won an Olympic gold medal and was making his pro debut. He was 18 years old at the time. So in this final segment, going to hear from actor and comedian Billy Crystal, 
because he was one of the people who spoke at the eulogy when Muhammad Ali passed away. And I found his eulogy very riveting, very eye-opening, and entertaining and interesting. And I thought you would find it as well, because a lot of people haven't heard it. I decided I would share that with you in the last segment of this show. Here is Billy Crystal speaking about Muhammad Ali at Ali's eulogy back in June of 2016. Dear Lonnie, family, friends, Mr. President, members of the clergy, all of these amazing people here in Louisville. Today, <clears throat> this outpouring of love and respect proves that 35 years after he stopped fighting, he is still the champion of the world. Last week, when we heard the news, time stopped. There was no war, there were no terrorists, no global catastrophes. The world stopped, took a deep breath, and sighed. Since then, my mind has been racing through my relationship with this amazing man, which is now 42 years that I know him. Every moment I can think of is cherished, and while others can tell you of his accomplishments, he wanted me to speak and tell you of some personal moments that we had together. I met him in 1974. I was just getting started as a stand-up comedian and struggling, but I had one good routine. It was a three-minute conversation between Howard Cosell and Muhammad Ali where I would imitate both of them. Ali had just defeated George Foreman and regained the heavyweight title. Sport Magazine made him the man of the year, and Dick Schapp, a wonderful writer and a great man, was the editor for Sport, and he was going to host this televised dinner honoring Muhammad Ali. So Dick called my agent looking for a comedian who did some sports material. As fate would have it, that comedian was not available, and she wisely said, it's destiny, man. And she wisely said, but listen, I got this young kid, and he does this great imitation of Ali and Cosell. He'd be perfect for you. I don't know why, but Dick said, okay, I'll try him. If he stinks, I can cut him out of the show. I couldn't believe it. My first time on television, and it would be with Ali. I arrived at the Plaza Hotel. The event was jammed. I met Mr. Schapp, who had later become a part of my family. And he said, well, how should I introduce you? Nobody knows who you are. And I said, just say I'm one of Ali's closest and dearest friends. <laughs> and my thought was, I'll get right to the microphone, go into my Howard Cosell, and I'll be fine. And then I nervously move into the jammed ballroom, and that's when I saw him for the first time in person. It's very hard to describe how much he meant to me. You had to live in his time. It's great to look at clips, and it's amazing that we have them, but to live in his time, watching his fights, experiencing the genius of his talent was absolutely extraordinary. Every one of his fights was an aura of a Super Bowl. He did things nobody would do. He predicted the round that he would knock somebody out in, and then he would do it. He was funny. He was beautiful. He was the most perfect athlete you ever saw, and those were his own words. But he was so much more than a fighter as time went on, with Bobby Kennedy gone, Martin Luther King gone, Malcolm X gone. Who was there to relate to when Vietnam exploded in our face? There were millions of young men my age 
eligible for the draft to a war that we didn't believe in, all of us huddled on the conveyor belt that was rapidly feeding the war machine. But it was Ali who stood up for us by standing up for himself. And after he was stripped of the title, after he was stripped of the title and the right to fight anywhere in the world, he gave speeches at colleges and on television that totally reached me. He seemed as comfortable talking to kings and queens as the lost and unrequited. He never lost his sense of humor, even as he lost everything else. He was always himself, willing to give up everything for what he believed in. And his passionate rhetoric about the life and plight of black people in our country resonated strongly in my house. I grew up in a house that was dedicated to civil rights. My father was a producer of jazz concerts in New York City and was one of the first to integrate bands in the 40s and 50s. Jazz musicians referred to my dad as the Branch Ricky of jazz. Yeah, yeah. My uncle and my family, Jewish people, produced Strange Fruit, Billy Holiday's classic song describing the lynching of African Americans in this country. And so I felt him. And now there he was, just a few feet from me. I couldn't stop looking at him. And he seemed to like glow. And he was like in slow motion, his amazing face, smiling and laughing. I was seated a few seats from him on the dais. And in the room were all of these athletes in their individual sports, great ones. Gino Marchetti of the Baltimore Colts, Franco Harris of the Steelers, Archie Griffin, who had won the Heisman from Ohio State, literary legends, Neil Simon, George Plimpton, all on a dais, fawning over Ali, who then looked at me <laughs> with an expression that seemed to say, what is Joel Gray doing here? <laughs> Mr. Schaap introduced me as one of Ali's closest and dearest friends. Two people clapped, <laughs> my wife and the agent. I rose, Ali's still staring at me. I passed right behind him, got to the podium, went right into the Cosell. Hello everyone, Howard Cosell coming to you live from Zaire. Some would pronounce it Zaire, they're wrong. It got big laughs and then I went into the Ali. Everybody's talking about George Foreman. I want to talk about George Foreman. George Foreman was ugly. He's just so slow. George was slow. I come on, voop, voop, voop. And then I have a rope a dope, a rope a dope, George, and I'm still fast at 33 years of age. I'm so fast that I can turn up the lights, be in my bed before the room gets dark. Howard, I'm announcing tonight that I got new religious beliefs. From now on, I want to be known as Izzy Yiskowitz. <laughs> I am now an Orthodox Jew, Izzy Yiskowitz. I am the greatest of all time. <laughs> the audience exploded. See, no one had ever done him before. And here he was, a white kid from Long Island, imitating the greatest of all time, and he was loving it. And when I was done, he gave me this big bear hug and he whispered in my ear, you're my little brother. <laughs> Which is what he always called me until the last time that I saw him. We were always there for each other. If he needed me for something, I was there. He came to anything I asked him to do. Most memorable. He was an honorary chairman for a dinner and a very important event where I was being honored by the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. He did all of this promotion for it. He came to the dinner. He sat with my family for the entire evening. He took photographs with everybody. The most famous Muslim man in the world honoring his Jewish friend. And 
Because he was there, because he was there, we raised a great deal of money. And I was able to, to use it to endow the university in Jerusalem with something that I told him about. And it was something that he loved the theory of. And it thrives to this day. It's called Peace Through the Performing Arts. It's a theater group where Israeli, Arab, and Palestinian actors, writers, and directors all work together in peace, creating original works of art. Billy Crystal goes on to tell other personal stories between he and Ali, but I thought I'd at least include a portion of his eulogy back when Ali passed away. That'll do it for the show this week. Again, a uh, look back at Muhammad Ali, who was then Cassius Clay, his pro debut, coming up on the 60th anniversary, October 29, 1960, a bout that was against Tunney Hunsaker, who was a native of Princeton, Kentucky, Caldwell County down in western Kentucky. Thanks for listening. I'm back next week. I hope you will join me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. We hear from a lot of owners that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large, active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family.